Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We love guests who have ambition. And hey, this wonderful lady that is with us today had enough ambition that she has opened three different locations. She's going to tell us all about her business and her industry. But I just have to say, again, it takes ambition to be listed on Inc. Magazine's uh you know, 15 top fastest growing companies in the New York metro area. And that isn't even where her first location was. So I want to welcome to the program, Lima Aaron Troy. And you are going to tell us everything about the wonderful things that you do in the world today. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. It was so great to meet you. And I'm so excited to be a part of what you're doing. So my name is Blima Aaron Troy. As we just said, you got the pronunciation perfect. <laughs> I am the founder and CEO of the Designers Group, which is an international interior design firm. We started in Toronto, Canada, and have expanded into the States with an office in New York and Miami. Well, I'm so grateful to speak with you today because... One, we just love founders on this show and, and to hear your your business journey. We're, we're interested in, like I said, this bold ambition to say, you know, Toronto's not enough, Canada's not enough. We need to, to grow and do other things. So I want to hear your story about the decision-making process and, and some of the lessons learned along the way. But let's take a step back to... What motivated you to found the designers group originally? As a child, I was able to see my parents rebuilding our childhood home. And I think watching that process and seeing demolition and walls going up and really something starting from nothing was the impetus of my exploration of a career in the construction industry. And I was always a creative person. So it kind of just led me into the design space. And I originally am from Toronto. So went to school there and was approached by another designer to start a firm together. Originally, I was working at an architectural firm because I really wanted to understand the technical side of construction and how the structure of a building works and how the technical side of design works. Mm -hmm. And when she approached me, it was more two friends starting to work together and it really metamorphosized into something that both of us couldn't even imagine. And New York was always a place that I knew had so much opportunity and there's so much design there. And I really always dreamed of being able to work there. And I had the opportunity to be able to move and start the office in New York, which was so incredible. I'm actually in Miami now where we opened another office, which the Miami office was kind of just a natural progression. We had a lot of projects in Florida and we just wanted to be close by. And as we continued our growth, that just made sense. 
Let's talk about your projects because you are involved with commercial products, projects, and give an example of the types of clients and the types of industries that you currently serve. We really look for projects that have an impact. That is kind of the reason that I went into design and it's all about making the world a better place. And I believe that the environments that we're in affect us in so many ways that we don't even realize. And part of that is really taking interiors and bringing them to the next level for whoever the end user is. And when looking to expand our portfolio, we really do look for projects that will have the biggest impact. So we're working on a lot of healthcare projects, which really is about improving people's health and just the process of getting better. We're working on a lot of senior living projects as well, office, multifamily, schools. Um, the sky's the limit. We just got into student housing, childcare. I you're, was in- you're naming all of these things that my my brain goes to like blah. <laughs> blah? Just a blah. Yeah, I mean, but but this is why we need people like you transforming these these spaces and, and making them more welcoming and, and making them not feel like you've walked into a a stale environment. Definitely. My father had a uh, surgery a couple weeks ago and I went to Toronto to be with him during the surgery. And everywhere I went, I was like, oh my God, we need to redo this corridor. The waiting room was so dingy and you're already going through a hard time mm-hmm. with any medical procedure. And just if you're in an environment that invokes positivity and hope, it just changes the experience. And I have to say, he had the best doctors. It wasn't about the level of care, but when you're in a space and you're not feeling that necessarily, then you definitely still want the best doctors, but you also want to feel like you're getting the best doctors. And we actually got into designing urgent cares over COVID and we approached it from a spa kind of direction. And I always say, when you're going to get a facial, why shouldn't you have that same experience when you're going to visit a doctor? There's no reason that the treatment that you're getting in both situations shouldn't be the same. And we started rolling out the locations, we started opening. And when people are coming to visit the urgent carers, they are blown away by the design. And to me, that's really what design is, the impact that you could have and really giving people better experiences with whatever it is that they're doing. And for our listeners, I encourage you to go to the website and take a look at some of the samples. Um, it's very it's very clean. And I'll come back to your, your website and your marketing position. But I want to go back and talk about this business partnership because you have a co-founder, you have a core team. and it's very difficult to address an expansion if you don't have a positive relationship and positive role. So can you give our listeners an idea of what kind of arrangement you have with your, your co-founder or your core leadership team of what you keep your eye on compared to what others you rely on um, to keep their eye on other things? I was so lucky to be able to partner with this incredible woman who 
I call a really good friend, but we're only partnered on the Toronto location. When I moved to New York, it was a whole different process of registering the firm and we keep the marketing together and I'm still involved in the Toronto branch. I'm still a partner, but opening the locations in the U S uh, was done by me alone. And it's just such a different experience having that partner and working together with someone, but I do have an incredible team that I lean on in New York and Miami and even in Toronto, but just, having amazing people and that team behind you, I always say you're only as good as your team. And that really is true, especially with the work that we're doing, because everything is collaborative. Whatever we work on is not done just by one person. There's always multiple people involved. And I've been really lucky to just have an amazing team. And over COVID, we did have a little bit of turnover, I mean, the industry right now, everyone knows whatever industry you're in, hiring has been an issue. And I would say that is one of our issues with growth. Like we want to keep growing. We have so many amazing projects that we're involved in, but finding the right people that is so important. And that has been critical to our success. Well, and I thank you for sharing that piece of your story because There is a different way for every business to have its path forward. It doesn't all have to be the same. And so I I appreciate that, that you all find a, found a way that, that works for the business and and works for you and extends the brand um, in unique ways. Let's, let's talk about New York (laughs) because it is a high cost area to, to operate in. Is yours the type of business where you really need to have a physical location, physical showroom, or is most of your business done digitally and through relationship building? I would say it's a combination. We have been exploring a hybrid work situation, especially since COVID. People really do want to work remotely. And we have been building out a remote team as well. Mm-hmm. However, personally, I believe that you can't compare the quality of work that we're able to do when we're together and the quality of work when we're working digitally, which or virtually, which mm-hmm. we have been doing a ton of. And at this point, we have more people working from home than actually in the offices but we really want to give our team the most flexibility and the best possible work experience that we can. I think something very unique about our team is that it is incredibly diverse. We have people from so many different countries and so many different cultures and religions and just seeing everyone work together and the collaboration and the innovative ideas and concepts that we're able to come up with as a result has just been amazing for me and the team. And we want to continue that. I've been on your side. I've looked at your team. I even see you have Coco the dog on your team. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Got to respect businesses that include the dog. That's, that's always my motto. Um, well, let's let's jump to the the move then that you made from New York to Miami. You said it was organic. Um, how many team members do you have somewhat in your different locations? 
So we're almost at 40 with everyone together. And, and it really changes, depends on what people's work location is. And I would say our biggest team is in New York. And that's primarily where I work out of. I'm mm-hmm. always back and forth to Miami as well. Been to Toronto quite a few times this year. Over COVID, the traveling situation wasn't that simple. But throughout our different locations, everyone really works together well. And, and we've really been able to come up with a system where we can collaborate. And I remember when COVID hit and all of a sudden we were all scrambling, like, how are we doing this? Because we really worked together in the office primarily at that point. And we were able to come up with different systems and different ways to really collaborate and do things virtually and, and building out the team with a lead designer and the different components. And, and we're still improving those processes, but it's definitely been a journey and it's been amazing to see everyone adapting to the current climate and what's going on and still staying at the top of our game and being innovative and giving our clients the best possible service. So I want to ask you as the CEO and as this, this journey that you've had opening all these offices, what would you say were some of the hardest leadership lessons or things that you skills that you had to expand on as a part of this, you know, going from, you know, starting the first business to leading a team of 40 in multiple office locations. What are some of the harder lessons that you had to learn along the way? So for me, I'm the type of person that it's just easier to do things on my own. And I have a very systematic way I like to approach a project. And it was a real learning experience being able to delegate and really trusting the people that I was delegating to. Simple example, interviews. I used to do all the interviews at the beginning. I wanted to meet everyone who would be joining our team. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page. They had the same passion for design. They loved what they were doing. They were talented. And giving that job over to someone else was something that took me some time and happens to be it's the girl managing it is doing a great job, probably even better than me. We have a great onboarding process, which is a lot more detailed and comprehensive than what I did at the beginning. So really being able to delegate. And when it comes to design as well, I have a certain vision. I want our projects to look a certain way. I have a certain idea of the way spaces can work and what works well together when it comes to interiors. And being able to trust my team has been super rewarding for me. Our projects keep getting better and better, but being able to delegate and give that over was definitely something that took me some time. Well, I want to acknowledge that, you know, you... In the industry, you're being recognized. I know that you were on Globe Street's Women of Influence in 2020 and 2022, and you don't get those kinds of things without a whole lot of hard work um, behind it. You're such a busy person. You're so giving. You're, you're on so much, I know, from our conversations. What do you do to get that mentorship that you need or to keep your energy fresh and, and going? 
Good question. <laughs> I would say that I don't even feel like I'm working. I love what I do. And I really feel so lucky that I was able to make a career out of something that's so incredible, both in terms of the outcome and the process. And just all the people around me, I have these incredible people around me, both our clients, our team, and the projects that we're working on are super stimulating. We don't stick to one portfolio type. And people always ask me, why wouldn't you specialize in healthcare, for example, because we're doing such a great job in the way that we're approaching our healthcare projects. And we've been changing the approach to it. And so people keep asking me that, but I really believe that the fact that we're in so many different industries is, first of all, what keeps things interesting, but also Mm -hmm. keeps us at the top of our game because we're able to take things that we're learning from one industry and bring it into another. For example, in the healthcare industry, we really approach the design of a healthcare facility from a hospitality standpoint. We want it to feel like people are coming and having a vacation, an extended stay rather than looking at it as just a place to... This is, this is a waiting room with some chairs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And for example, we're working on a drug we have now and we approach it from a residential perspective. We want people to feel warm and welcome there. And this is a place that they're detoxing and getting better. It's in combination with a hospital and we don't want them to feel like they're dreading going to rehab. We want them to be excited about it and want to take positive steps for the rest of their life. So these are all just different ideas of how we take one, uh, another one, office. The whole idea of office is really changing. People don't want to feel like they're in a severe environment. People want it to be fun and stimulating and a place to bring minds together where everyone can come up with ideas. And we, we look at our office spaces like that. We have amenities where everyone can get together and brainstorm together or just have fun together because that's usually when your brain starts working and you cut, you're coming up with ideas, not when you're forced to think, but more when you're in action and doing things. So these are all just some examples. Are you continuing to see um, rapid advancements or not rapid enough advancements in the sustainability and the eco-friendly choices of materials for commercial design? Oh, definitely. That's a big focus for us because we're all about the environment. And because we recognize how important the environment is and the environments around us, that's something that we put a great deal of emphasis on. And we want to make sure that whatever we're specifying, first of all, works well with whatever the project type is, but also that will work with the environment and be something that's sustainable and will make the world a better place. Like I said, like design is really for me and for my team about the impact that we could have. So if we're not worrying about the impact that we have on the environment, then what are we even doing? Well, let's roll into impact because I also know that you're very passionate about some charitable initiatives. So can you share a little bit more about that? Definitely. This is one of my favorite topics. So I, I would say I really went into design because of the impact that I could have. And building off of that is really how can we make the world a better place? 
starting with making the interiors that we're in better, the experiences that we have better. And I really do believe that you can't wholly achieve success if you're not helping others and doing good. And I really do feel so lucky that we were able to launch several charitable initiatives through the firm. Our latest one is the TDG Insider. We are prospective design explorers, as I like to call them, people who are deliberating what their career choice should be or who are curious about design. We have a program where they can come to our office for a day and experience a day in the life of a designer. And they get to speak to all the designers. We have a program made up for them where they can work on different activities and even be mentored by one of our designers. And this gives them access to what a day in the life of a designer is. The way I came up with this idea was when I wanted to become a designer, it was because I saw the designer who was working on my childhood home, but she was really just picking paint colors and furniture. And what I'm doing now is so different. And I would have loved to have had that opportunity to really see what a design firm is about and have that mentorship option. And we have people coming every week to our office. And it's really incredible, first of all, being able to meet different people who are exploring. But one of the guys who came to our office for the day, actually, we hired him. We loved his work ethic and he wanted to become part of the team. And it's just a great program. So that's something that we just started a year ago. But we also launched the TDG Furniture Exchange, which is probably our largest initiative to date. We We match people up who have furniture to give away with those who need it. And this has been incredibly rewarding. And it goes back to sustainability because we're really repurposing people's one person's garbage is someone else's treasure. And we have seen so many people being helped by it. And it's just so amazing. We're operating out of eight locations now. So we're in Toronto, New York, Miami, Israel, Baltimore, LA, um, New Jersey. And the people have been helped it's just so amazing to hear their stories and really being able to be a part of that. Um, and, and just like throughout, we're always trying to think of different initiatives and we have the TDG Gives Back. And I mean, I could go on and on for hours about this, but I, I just feel lucky that I'm able to do what I love, but also able to use our firm as a platform to be able to start these initiatives and really see them through and see people really getting helped by it. Well, and that's fantastic. And I opened with, you know, we love, you're an ambitious business builder and, and we, we love that and respect that. So I like to ask a lot of our guests, if we came back and talked to you in two or three years, what's the vision? What, what's next either for, for you as um, a busy individual or for the designers group? Where, where do you want to go next? Someone just asked me that this week and I said, there is no limit. The sky is the limit. I have so many ideas and so many dreams and I just don't want to stop. I just want to continue. And as much of as, as an impact that I can make and my team can make, we want to just keep doing that. So at the beginning of 2022, we put together a list of 2022 goals and 
We wrote it down. I actually hung it in my office. So I could look at it every day and be reminded of all the things that we still want to do. And July 1st, we all got together. We sat down and really went through each of the goals and what we did as an actionable step to kind of get closer. Some of the goals we already reached. Some of them are a little bit harder, but we just want to keep growing, keep expanding and keep increasing our impact. Well, if people want to find out more or if they want to reach out to you personally, where should they go and what should they do? They can go to our website. We have all our contact info there and I would love to hear from. And that that website is the designers group. Yes. www.thedesigners with an S group.com. Um, no, we really appreciate you, you being a, a guest and I thank you for your time. And I really think we need to come visit you when you're in Miami someday. So all our listeners, that's what we should do. We should all plan to go visit Lima in Miami or New York, <laughs> or New York, in New York. That's true. So have a, have a day out. <laughs> yes, for sure. I would love that. Well, again, thank you for being such a wonderful guest to our listeners If she has shared something that you think somebody else needs to hear, please pass along a copy of this episode. Or if you know somebody who could use their services, um, again, connect into Blima. And as we always say, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Thank you again for being such a wonderful guest. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.